0: What up, Excel? Yo. Yo! It is good to be in this house. This is my first time preaching at Excel while not being technically the youth pastor. Um, for those of you who, who weren't there, uh, Sunday officially, uh, I began my tenure as lead pastor here at Belmont. So. So y'all, you know, y'all good, y'all plugged, man. You know the lead pastor, you know, you get hookups and whatnot. So uh, just to give you a heads up, uh, obviously because of everything that went on on Sunday, we had some seating arranged for our baby dedication. And then um, I'm assuming on this Sunday being Mother's Day, a lot of you are going to want to sit with your moms and that's cool. I respect that. But the week after, we already have some, uh, we, we actually went and had some covers made to block off some of the chairs the first, I think, two or three rows where I sit and to my right are going to be blocked off specifically for you guys. And so here's what I want. It says, it says reserved, for, uh, Excel, reserved for youth and young adults. And so here's what I want. As I'm leading and as I'm preaching on Sundays, I don't want to forget where I came from. So I need you guys in the front. You know what I mean? I don't want to forget what God brought me through and where God's brought me in. So I need to see you guys in the front as a constant reminder of who I am and what God has done in this church and why I want to lead the church, why I feel God has called me to that position. And so I don't just need you to sit there. I need you guys to bring the energy. I need you guys to bring that worship. I need you guys to set the tone because here's what I believe. I believe worship goes backwards. So when it starts up front, it flows into the back of the room. When the energy is there, It's going to feed into the rest of the church and I've said this the day they brought me in and I believe this with all my heart I will never look at you like the future church. I look at you as the present church You are part of the church. You're just the youngest part But you are part of the church and uh, I want to feel young and I want to stay young And so I need y'all in the front. Is that cool? Awesome. So do me a favor if you see somebody trying to hide out in the back Pull them out their seats. You know, tell them, hey, I'm sorry, Mom. This is what the lead pastor said, so I'm sorry. We got to do this. And so just bring them up front. And, uh, again, I would greatly appreciate that. Amen? Amen. All right. So listen, uh, just a heads up, again, uh, next week I will be here again. With me, though, will be your new youth pastors, oh. Pastor Izzy and Ariel. And <laughs> hey, listen. I I need to say this, but make sure you put some respect on Pastor Ariel's name, because she is credentialed, she's got her license, you know, that lady is a woman of God, and so make sure you give her that love, Uh, but they will be here next week, I will be here with them we'll kind of do a little bit of a transition like what you saw on Sunday, and we'll set them up for success as a matter of fact, if any of y'all are available next week, I think on the 10th, they're gonna be getting up here with the U-Haul, we need some muscles to get some of their stuff from the truck into some storage stuff, so if anybody's down. I'll get y'all the info. uh, But I'm very, very excited for what Pastor Izzy and Ariel are going to do. The Marty family is very hyped to be here. Um, So I was thinking about tonight, right? I was thinking about all this. And if you were there on Sunday, you heard that at the end of it, there was um, a word that I felt the Lord gave me in the morning that I thought was confirmed throughout the service. And it was two parts of the word. One was, this is not your church. This is God's church. And it's God's responsibility to build the church. It's my responsibility to be obedient to what God tells me to do. But the second thing is something I want to chime in with y'all. The second thing the Lord spoke to me was that you're not alone. And you never have been. See, I don't have to do this by myself. That's why I like having my Excel fam up front. This isn't Pastor Joey's job. This is us as the body of Christ, as the church, to do and be what God called us to do and be. And I was thinking about that, and I thought about the reality is, it's true. I've never been alone in this process. There's never been a moment where it was just me on an island. And the reality is, no one is called to grow spiritually isolated and by themselves. We have to help each other. We have to grow together, or else we grow apart. You hear me? If you are not growing together, then ultimately you end up growing apart. And if you've ever watched any kind of nature program, the predator will always go after the one animal that strays away from the pack. That's the one that becomes the most vulnerable. And so I was thinking about that idea of just this togetherness and making sure that we grow. And I was reminded of this scripture in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14 through 16. It says, they will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. What it's talking about right there is, is a lot of people, when they're not grounded, when they're not rooted, when they're not growing, any little thing will throw them off because they're not rooted in anything. And so if somebody tells you something opposite to what the scriptures say, Unless you know the scripture, you won't know the difference. And you can't tell what's fake if you don't understand what's real. And so what he's saying here is, listen, if we're together, if we're growing on this, then we won't fall for every new teaching that's being influenced, right? It says we will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like truth. Again, if we're not here with each other, it's going to be very easy to be manipulated and to be pulled out of the body of Christ. Instead... We will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church, right? Our goal as the church, the purpose of the church is to grow as the body of Christ together, right? My hand doesn't go that way and my left hand go that way. We go together wherever we go, all right? As a matter of fact, if my right leg goes too far that way and my left leg goes too far that way, how many know my body's going to hurt, right? Right? I am not built for splits, y'all. That's just not what my body does, okay? It'll be painful. It'll be hurtful. Why? Because the body is meant to go together, all right? It's not all the same. We all have different parts, but the body is meant to go together, and it's meant to grow. Instead, we will speak the truth and love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. Your journey, your spiritual walk, the whole purpose of your spiritual walk is to become more like Jesus, plain and simple. If you are not becoming more like Jesus, you are becoming less like Jesus. So you're going one way or the other. There is no stalemate. Okay. Your whole purpose, the reason you come every Thursday, the reason you come on Sundays, the reason you're supposed to read your Bible and to pray is to look more like Jesus every single day. Doesn't mean you have to be perfect overnight, but every day I'm a little bit closer than I was yesterday. Every day I'm a little bit stronger than I was yesterday. Every day I look a little more like Christ and a little. Or less like me that 's the goal in every christian 's life. No exception if you think you're an exception, then I would argue you 're not a Christian because the word Christian means little christ we 're Jesus' action figures y'all. Like we're supposed to look like them and not the little cheapy action figures that, you know, made in Taiwan and don't look like nothing. Like we got to be like the real expensive, handcrafted, painted with a microscope. Amazing. How the heck you going to charge me $400 for that? But it's dope kind of action figures. We have to look like Christ in every detail possible. That is the goal. And so it goes on to say he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. How does he do that? As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And that's really where I want to hone in on. See, when each one of you do your part and you help everyone else do their part, we grow together as the body of Christ. It would look weird if only my upper body grew and not my lower body. It would be weird if only half of my body grew and not the other half. Now, it doesn't mean that everything grows at the same rate, right? Y'all saw my daughter, little kids, they got them big old heads. You ever seen a little kid with a big head when they walk, like their head just kind of takes them everywhere? That head's kind of like that shape for a while. The body catches up to the head. So I'm not saying we all grow at the same rate, but we all grow together. I remember when my daughter was young, I used to call her big head a lot. And my wife would get mad. She doesn't have a big head. Baby, she got a big old head. She doesn't have a big head. We went to the doctor to get her checkup. They're like, all right, well, weight, she's at about the 50 percentile. uh, Height, she's about 45 percentile. And her head measures at the 96 percentile. And I went, I told you she had a big old head. I ain't mad. She's smart, baby. It's not a big old brain. That's all I'm saying. So I'm not saying we all grow at the same rate. That's fine. Like, don't compare yourself to how other people grow, but you should be growing. Every day, you should look a little more like Christ. And as you grow, we grow. And those of you who fail to grow, what you end up doing is you slow the rest of our growth down. See, if y'all want to see Excel go to the next level, if you want to see a chair section over there and a chair section over there, if you want to get to me and be like, have Pastor Izzy come to me and go, hey, lead Pastor Joey. uh, We just don't fit in that sanctuary anymore. I feel like I need to do two services, maybe do a junior high service and and a high school service. And um, maybe we got to say, I don't, maybe we go in the main sanctuary. Like, I ain't playing pastor. We just don't fit. That doesn't happen because you brought in a new youth pastor. That happens when each of you take personal responsibility for your own growth and then in turn for the growth of everyone else. When you do that, all of the body grows. Are you feeling me? Now listen, there's three people I think you need in your life in order to help you grow. There are three relationships that everyone needs in their life if they're going to grow. Some of you might have one, some of you might have two, some of you may even have three, but this is something that in my life I have constantly tried to maintain, these three types of relationships, and you don't have to limit it to one, you're going to have multiple of that type, but you should at least have one of each of these three types of relationships. And if you're taking notes, I'm going to name three people and I'm going to break down who they are supposed to be in your life. If you're taking notes, number Number one is this everyone needs a Paul in their life. Paul represents the mentor. Everyone needs someone a little further in the journey to help them out. Everyone needs someone who's been through it longer than you, who's gone through it further than you, who understands a little bit more than you to walk you through life, right? We all need that. Listen, I I get it. You know, some of y'all are in that lovey-dovey stage and you want to date. You don't need another idiot telling you how to do that. Like y'all both in the same boat, right? Two blind people trying to teach each other how to fly. It's not going to work out well. What you need is someone in a mature, committed, God willing, marriage relationship. Someone who is successful at it to say, hey, I want to do what you do. How did you get there? Right? You look at almost any successful person in life. And I'm not even just talking biblically. I'm talking just in general. They found people who were doing what they did or what they wanted to do and copied what they were doing to get there. Even in professional sports, they tell every rookie, hey, find a veteran who is doing what you want to do and copy what they do to get there. Everybody has or needs a mentor. As a matter of fact, mentor, the the term came from Homer's The Iliad and The Odyssey. And it was when the, the father had gone away to do his journey and he left his son to a man named Mentor. And he said, hey, listen, I'm going to be gone. I need you to raise my son and be his mentor. And so what you're doing is you are adding people to your life, older, wiser people who have gone where you want to go or have gone through things that maybe you don't even want to go through and you can learn how to avoid. And you say, hey, teach me how to be like that. Hey, you, you know more about this game than I do. Teach me how to be better at it. Hey, you're you're better in this subject than I am. Can you tutor me? Can you walk me through it? And now when you take it into a spiritual context, hey, listen, you have been in this longer than I have. You are spiritually more mature. Show me how to do it. And listen, mentors are happy to oblige if you're willing to submit. If you're willing to go to them and say, hey, I really want to learn this. Will you teach me? Right now in my life, I'm entering to a new season, a new position, a new stage in life. How many know? I'm recruiting mentors, but I've been doing that. Shoot, I pay people to coach me. I said, listen, I, I can't tell you how much is a lot of money. I pay people so I can sit down and be personally tutored on how to be a better pastor. What do I do this? How do I create this strategy? How do I pray better? How do I read the Bible better? How do I lead a church? How do I do this effectively? How do I, how do I, how do I, why? Because you know how to do it. So show me what you know. That's what mentorship is. But here's the deal. You got to go to mentors. You can't just sit there like, nobody wants to teach me anything. buddy. we ain't mind readers. We don't know what you want. And I'll be honest with you. The people that I love to mentor are the ones that are hungry to be mentored. The ones that are going after it. So when I was in Excel and I wanted the youth pastor to mentor me, even when I was a youth leader, I chased after him 24-7. Hey, what do you need? Whatever you want. I got you. What do you need? Okay, you need me to help you move? I got you. You need me to help me paint your wall? I got you. You need me to show up early to put up chairs? I got you. Why? I just want to learn, man. I just want to be in the vicinity of you so that hopefully some of that little glory on your shoulders will blub off and fall on me. I want to be around you. Listen, if you look at Timothy chapter one, verse two, Timothy was the name of a young man that Paul mentored. Paul mentored several young men along his missionary journey. Guys like Silas, guys like Titus, guys like Timothy. And it says in first Timothy chapter one, verse two, this is a letter that Paul wrote to him. He says, I am writing to Timothy, my true son in the faith. May God the father and Christ Jesus, our Lord, give you grace, mercy, and peace my true son in the faith. There's a lot of people that think they got spiritual fathers. But without relationship, you just think that. You know, it's like, oh, well, you know, so-and-so is my leader. Okay, what are you learning from them? How are you growing in that? You know, so-and-so is my pastor, but you don't do anything he says. Why do you call him pastor? You don't follow through with it. You don't want to be mentored. You just want to be talked to. But for me, listen, when I find someone that's hungry, when I find someone that's wanting to learn, even when I go and do these camps, I am willing and I do stay up till two, three in the morning with young interns that are saying, hey man, can you just answer some questions? Absolutely. Why? Because someone mentored me. And so who am I to say no to you? Let's go. Come on, whatever you want to know. Let's go. Ask questions. Guys, man, I'm just saying, if you can learn to be masters at asking questions, don't be shocked when you start getting answers. More often than not, we settle with, I don't know. Okay, well, learn. <laughs> well, I don't know how to do that. Learn how to do that. Well, what do you think? We're just going to like throw the Bible on your forehead and it's going to download? That's just, we don't airdrop the Bible into your heart. You got to actually pick it up and read it. You got to actually take the time. And so if you want to be mentored, be ready to be challenged. Be ready to have someone hold you accountable. Be ready to have someone call you out and tell you, no, no, that's not good enough. That's not good enough. What you're doing, the way you're living, that's never gonna make it because a mentor is not always comfortable. A mentor is trying to help you avoid the mistakes that either they've made or they got to avoid. And I think a lot of times the reason we don't want mentors is because we don't want anybody to tell us what we're doing wrong. So literally, you'd rather just keep doing wrong. You'd rather keep failing and messing up than have your pride bruised by somebody telling you it's wrong. But when you're willing to submit... And you're willing to say, listen, I remember one time my mentor, I kept messing up. I ain't going to lie. I kept messing up. I kept doing dumb things and uh, inappropriate things at best. And at one point, literally, he goes, oh, my God. Because it was like the millionth time. He's like, Joe, come on, bro. Are you you stupid? And I went, yes. I'm stupid. I'm sorry. I'm trying to figure this out. But yeah, but I can't help it. And he's like, I'm sorry, man. You're not. But you keep acting like that. So what do we got to do? to get you to stop doing those things. And I had to submit and I had to learn and I had to make mistakes. But the beauty of a mentor is they get it because they've been there. And it's hard for you to understand or learn something from somebody who hasn't been where you've been. And a lot of times we act like our parents weren't teenagers because it was so long ago. And it's like, dude, listen, I I get it. I was where you're at. Oh, but you don't understand. Y'all didn't even have technology back then. It's like, back up. All right, we had my space towards my senior year. And uh, we had AOL when I was in grade school. But it doesn't matter, because you know what? Nothing's new under the sun. It's all the same stuff, just a different method. Right? Same song, just a different melody. Like, and so if you take that person and you say, hey, listen, I love the way you carry yourself. I love the way you pray. Will you teach me how to pray like you? Hey, man, I love the way you read that scripture and you unpacked it. Can you show me how to read the Bible the way you do? Hey, I love the, the, the servant's heart that you have, the way you're always wanting to help people. Can you teach me how to serve the way you serve? When you're willing to take that step, don't be surprised that you start automatically growing. So here's the question. Who's a spiritual mentor in your life right now? Not the leader, because I assign you leaders. Who are you actively going to to mentor you and make you better? Who are you pursuing beyond Friday night during the hour and a half of small groups? Who are you texting? Who are you calling up? Who are you saying? What does this scripture mean? And how do you unpack that? Who are you actively going after saying, hey, listen, do me a favor. Examine my life. Call me out. Show me how to be better. Teach me how to pray. Who's a mentor in your life? And if you can't answer that, maybe it's time to start looking for one. Second thing I noticed is you don't just need mentors. Mentors but you need peers. Paul, being a mentor, had a man named Barnabas who was a wonderful peer. A peer is someone who's at the same level that you're at. They're in the same phase. They're on the same journey. They're not ahead of you, but they're not behind you. They're right on par with you, right? You all need somebody who gets what you get and is at where you're at. And not everybody is a peer because a peer is also about the direction that you're going. Just because you're the same grade or you're the same age, you go to the same school, doesn't mean anything. Because if you're going after God and they're not, they're not your peer. Okay, A peer is when you are chasing after God, you look to your left, to your right. The people standing, running with you, those are peers. Those are the ones, hey, you're trying to pursue God, I'm trying to pursue God. Let's help each other pursue God. Hey, you're trying to be a better Christian. I'm trying to be a better Christian. Let's help each other be better Christians. Paul had a man named Barnabas. Barnabas' name literally means encourager. Man, y'all just, anybody here got a friend that's just amazing at encouraging people? Like every time you're around, it's like, I just feel better about myself. Like every time I'm with you, you make me feel better. You make me feel more myself. You make me feel like I just can run through a wall. I just love being around you. That's Barnabas right? Barnabas is the guy when you're like, oh my God, I look so fat in this. Like, bro, shut up, man. You don't look fat, bro. You look awesome. You look fat-tabulous. You're great, right? They're like, bro, shut up. It's like, come on, bro, bro. Right? That's, that's what you want in your life. You want somebody who's constantly going to be pushing you to move forward. Paul had Barnabas. Listen, Acts chapter 13, verse 1 through 3. It says this, Among the prophets and the teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon called the black man, Lucius of Syrian, Manian, the childhood companion of King Herodotipus, and Saul. One day, as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. You know, we give Paul a lot of credit because, I mean, yeah, we, three-fourths of our New Testament is Paul's writings. But Paul never journeyed alone. Matter of fact, no disciple was ever sent out by themselves. Even when Jesus was starting to train them up, he would always send them out by twos. He always sent them out in pairs, by peers. So who was Paul sent out with? Barnabas. Paul, here's your peer. Here's your partner. Here's someone on the same level with you, with the same mission, going in the same direction. The Holy Spirit has called us to set you two apart from everybody else and go in that direction. Listen. I thought, I thought about this as I was going through my own journey. <clears throat> I had great mentors when I was in Excel, when I was a student, people that have still been a part of my life, people that showed up on Sunday when I became the lead pastor. It was awesome. And I had great peers. And I think about one of them. I, thought, I was thinking about Mark, who actually worked with me on staff at Excel for the first seven or eight years, and, and it was awesome. And I remember... Mark in my small group, at first, I'll be honest, I didn't like him because he was kind of annoying and a know it all And I was like, dude, you're such an idiot. But it was more kind of like jealousy, like, hey, this is my group. Why are you here? And then I just started to realize, man, this guy has a passion for God and I have a passion for God. And I think back years later, the only ones to survive Excel were me and Mark. And part of it was we kept pushing each other and we outgrew everyone else in our group. Not that we're better than them. We just pursued God more than they did. And it would have been very difficult to do that by myself. See, I needed somebody like Mark, who I was in his wedding and he was in my wedding, who we could hold each other accountable, who we can pray with, who we can challenge each other with scripture, who we can stop each other and say, hey, you're messing up, you're not doing right. You need a peer in your life. We all do. Everybody needs someone who's at the same level, who, who you give permission to say something to you, right? Hey, listen, some of your best friends, you'll let them call you out. Cause you love them or you're afraid of what they might do. Like my best friend in high school, this has nothing to do with Jesus. It's just kind of how it worked. My best friend in high school, we would roast everybody. I mean, just completely light them up. We would destroy your self-esteem and leave you burnt on the ground. We were really good at it. And we would tag team on people, yo, back and forth. It was relentless. And people were like, how come y'all never make fun of each other? And we were like, cause he knows too much about me. And I know too much about him. And it will not end well. We will both kill each other. We are, there's mutual destruction here. So we just going to roast y'all. <laughs> right? That was my peer. Now, here's the problem. And this is where I want to take it to the next level. Because I'm not talking about just peers, because I have peers and you have peers. I'm talking about a spiritual peer. I'm talking about someone who's on the journey with you towards a deeper relationship with Christ and becoming more like Christ. Who in this room or who in your life is around the same age or on the same level pursuing the same relationship with God? A peer will not only run with you, but they'll defend you. Listen, Acts chapter nine, verse 26 to 27. This is the first time that Paul shows up on the scene. Paul, whose name was Saul, had a horrible reputation because before he knew Jesus, he literally hunted down Christians, had them arrested and killed. So he had a bad reputation. And it says in verse 26, when Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. They did not believe he had truly become a believer. Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had been with the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. You know, one of the best things about a peer is a peer believes in you even when nobody else believes in you. Listen, again, I'll just be straightforward with y'all. I had bad reputation. I had a reputation for for speaking inappropriately and making coarse jokes and acting a fool and, and all these other things. But I thank God for peers in my life who saw God in me and not just the me around me, who were willing to speak life into me because they could see me for who I was gonna be, not necessarily where I was at, people that were willing to just be there for me and help me in spite of where I was. And part of why a peer can do that is because a peer understands it because they're in the same boat. Hey, I'm not perfect either. And I don't maybe believe in myself every day either, but I wanna help you and you can help me and together we can hold each other up. Together we can help each other out. So the question is, who's your spiritual peer? Not your best friend. Sometimes that shouldn't even be that person anyway. Some of y'all, part of why you're in trouble or why you're not close to God is because of the people you've chosen to be close to you. But who is the person in your life at your level who is pursuing God at the same intensity or maybe the intensity that you wanna pursue him? And why are you guys not closer than you already are? Who's a peer in your life? Who's gonna hold you accountable? Who's gonna spur you on? Who's gonna encourage you when you need encouraging? Maybe it's time you find a spiritual peer third thing is this, you need a mentor in Paul, you need a peer in Barnabas, and you need a student in Timothy. You know, they say you don't really understand something until you can teach it to someone else, right? You don't really understand something until you can teach it to someone else. Who are you actively teaching? Who are you walking through life? Who is your Pupil, who is your mentee, if I could say it that way? When you read Second Timothy, again, Paul speaking to Timothy, he says, Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach these things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. There was a term during the, the slave era of the United States. And it was each one, teach one, right? Each one, teach one. What that meant was in those days, illiteracy was huge, especially obviously among slaves. So when you had a a slave who became free or someone who was even born free, someone who had an education, someone who learned how to read, or even maybe a slave who because a part of their job on that area was to read, when they learned how to read, part of that responsibility that you had to your community was to teach someone else how to read, Hey, you've been given a gift, share that gift. Each one, teach one. All right, well, you've been poured into week after week after week. Some of you for years in this ministry, who are you pouring it into now? Right? Who are you pouring it? Who is your student? Who are you discipling? God has called us to go into the world, preach the gospel and make disciples. Well, are you doing that part? Are you making disciples? Man, listen, I love that you've raised over 50K for missions. That's awesome. But that's sending money so someone else can raise disciples. What are you doing with the mission field that God has given you? What are you doing with the school that God has placed you in? What are you doing with the family that God puts you at and the neighborhood that God puts you at and the community that you're around? Who are you discipling? Because if you're not discipling, you're hoarding. Right, You're taking it all in, but you're not passing it out. Some of y'all are spiritually overweight. You take in, you take in, you take in, but you never work out. You never hand it off to anybody else. And so you got spiritual obesity. Oh, I love the word. And oh, I love worship. And you consume and you consume and you consume, but you never work it out. You never give it to anybody else right? That would be like we passing out cake, right? And I'm cutting up the cake, and I give a piece of cake to Lenny, and then I give the second piece, of, I'm like, hey, Lenny, pass that down. And I give the third piece of cake, but Roxanne ain't got no cake yet. And Riley ain't got no cake yet. And I look at Lenny, Lenny just finished four pieces of cake. I'm like, Lenny, come on, bro. I know you're the legend, but don't eat all the cake. <laughs> now, how many know? That'd be selfish. We'd be mad, right? Like, are you kidding me, Lenny? Give me some of that cake. <laughs> the problem is we keep God passes it on, or your mentor passes it on, or the pastor passes it on, your leader passes it on, and you don't pass it on. Listen, there is a long chain of witnesses that brings us all the way back to Christ. You are a link in that chain. Why aren't you passing it off to the next link? Some of you, the reason is you're a broken link. You don't want to give it off to the next one. But God has called us, each one, to reach one, when are you going to start reaching somebody else? When are you going to start serving maybe in children's ministry on Sundays or on Wednesday nights and say, hey, I want to teach the little ones. When are some of you upperclassmen going to grab some of the sixth, seventh, and eighth graders and say, hey, let me teach you how to read the Bible the way my leader taught me how to read the Bible. Let me teach you how to pray the way my leader taught me how to pray. Some of y'all are waiting to graduate so you can go through a program and be given a title. And I'm sorry, but Pastor Joe ain't going to be here anymore. I don't even know if that program is going to exist. Okay, Pastor Izzy can do whatever he wants. (laughs) So I don't know if that program is going to exist. But if you're waiting for a title, then you're waiting too long. Do what God called you to do and titles will come after that. So who are you actively mentoring? Who are you taking by the hand and saying, let me teach you. Let me show you. Let me guide you because someone guided me. And I want to pass it on. I want to do the same thing for you. Who are you teaching to get closer to Christ? Because here's what I've understood. If you're not teaching someone to get closer to Christ, then you're not getting closer either. If you're not passing it off to the next group, right? If the drummer's not teaching somebody how to drum, if the guitarist isn't teaching somebody how to play the guitar, if the pianist isn't teaching more pianists, guess what? We run out of musicians, right? If the people in the booth don't teach somebody else how to run the booth, then all of a sudden when they move along or God forbid they die or something, ain't nobody in the booth, Right? If Pastor Joey moves along and y'all didn't figure anything out, then I lose the youth ministry. Each one has to teach one. Who are you teaching? And again, I don't care how young. You can be a sixth grader. Awesome. Go serve on Sundays. Go to Pastor Evan and say, hey, listen, I want to help out with the little ones. I, just want, I know I can't teach them a lot, but I can teach them what I know. I mean, you ain't got to be an expert. Honestly, you just got to be one page ahead of everybody else. <laughs> You're one chapter ahead of everybody. Perfect. Teach them, reach them. It's not going to happen. Like if you expect, I'm going to bring my friend and they're going to hear the message and they're going to get a leader and then they're going to grow. No, 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 that's not, no. Real growth happens when they not only have a mentor, but they have a peer and they're being taught. Because we need all three. We all need a mentor. We all need a peer and we all need a student. Which of those are you missing? Some of you, it might be one, two. Some, all three. And I'm telling you, without all three, you cannot grow at the capacity that God has called you to grow. It's impossible. It just doesn't work. Because this is how it's set up. But here's the kicker. Pastor Jason, worship team, maybe if you can help me out. Not only does everyone need a Paul, Barnabas, and Timothy, but we all need to be a Paul, Barnabas, and Timothy. You feeling me? And not only do we need a Paul, Barnabas, and Timothy, but we need to be a Paul, Barnabas, and Timothy. So while I need a mentor, I need to be a mentor. While I need a peer, I need to be a peer. While I need a student, I need to be a student. I need to be all things at all time and have all things at all time. I'm going to have the rest of my life needing someone to mentor me, someone to run with me, someone that I can teach. And I will forever in my life need to learn as a student, need to challenge as a peer, need to submit to a mentor. I will always need that. That never changes. And if, guess what? If we all start to do it, suddenly you will start to see exponential growth within the ministry because no one's on the sidelines doing nothing. Could you imagine just, again, to to paint the picture for you, If we were building something, right, something really important, and all of us came together to build it, but only four of us were building, and everybody else is just sitting against the wall, giggling, scrolling on their phone, tickling each other like dummies, just acting a fool. Could you imagine if you're one of those four, and you're wearing yourself out, and you're giving yourself everything, and you look up, and you see everyone else playing? How frustrated that'll be. Why? Because we are supposed to build this, not me. Flip that, guys. It's not about me. It's about we. And it always has been. It does not matter who your pastor is. Because youth ministry is only youth ministry when youth are ministering. So you need to be doing it. You need to find these people and you need to become these people for someone else. And if each of us does that, we'll see the body of Christ grow. Listen, 1 Timothy, chapter 4, verse 11 through 13. Again, Paul speaking to young Timothy. Teach these things and insist that everyone learn them. I love that. That's what I'm trying to do right now with you. This isn't a suggestion. No, I insist. I don't feel like doing it. No, no, no. I insist. (laughs) I don't feel like I need a mentor. I insist, you do. I don't feel like I need to be a peer. No, 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 I insist, you, you do. I just don't think I need students. No, no, seriously, I insist. You need one. This isn't a suggestion. This is a very strong insisting to say, guys, please do this. What he's telling Timothy is, hey, listen, don't let them get away with not doing it. Insist. Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Oh, well, I'm only 12 or I'm only 14. How am I going to be somebody's mentor? Doesn't matter. Do you realize you can mentor somebody older than you? Because spiritually speaking, it's not about age. Your mom might be somebody you mentor into the kingdom of God. Some of y'all might have a mom or dad who don't know Jesus, and they give their life to the Lord, but they have no clue how to read their Bible, how to pray, how to worship, and all of a sudden, you are the one teaching them how to do it. Why not? Because spiritually speaking, you're older than they are. Listen, there have been plenty of people who were, quote unquote, my leaders and eventually became my students. Because they stopped growing and I didn't. And so don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. Don't come up with all these reasons why you can't do what God has called you to do. But be an example to all believers and what you say and the way you live and your love, your faith, and your purity. Right? What is he saying? He's saying, listen, just show them that you're serious about this. That your way that you carry yourself, the way you speak, the way you act, that you genuinely are in a pursuit of a relationship with God. And then he goes on to say, until I get there, focus. Here's what we need to focus on. Reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers, And teaching them. Isn't that interesting? Look at that last sentence. Notice what he says in that last verse reading the scriptures, have students. Encouraging believers, be a peer. And teaching them, be a mentor. Be a student, be a peer, be a mentor. Have a student, have a peer. Have a mentor until I return. Now, obviously, Paul was talking about himself, but I think Jesus can be saying the same thing. Hey, until I come back, be a student, be a peer, be a mentor, have a student, have a peer, have a mentor. For how long? Until I come back. So, like, just my teenagers? No, no, until I come back. Like teenage and young adults, homie, until I come back. (laughs) Right? Until the Lord's return. Meaning, until I die or until He brings me up. Whichever comes first. I need to be a mentor, be a student, be a peer. I need to have a mentor, have a student, have a peer. So again, who are you currently mentoring? Who are you holding accountable as a peer and encourage them in their walk? And who are you astute enough? I'm going to ask you to stand as we get ready to close. And hopefully while I was talking about all that, you were thinking about them. Now again, I hope some of you have those things. I hope some of you view your leaders as mentors and you pursue a deeper relationship with them and challenge them to be better leaders to you. I love that. And I was even talking uh, with Judd after last week we sat down with his small group and we just went through questions. And i talking with Judd after, hey, bro, what would you think about that? How would you feel? And I love the look on Judd's face because you can see he was challenged. Because he said, I don't know if I could have answered all those questions. And I said, then you better study to be able to because I'm not going to be here anymore. But it wasn't that he was disappointed because that's not my boy. You could see the fierceness in his eyes to say, I still have a lot to learn because I also want to have a lot to teach. What's different with any of you? So I'm going to ask you guys to join me up here. Just as you come out to your seats, I'll explain why. But as you come up here, when you make your way up, I want you to just kind of, again, bow your head, close your eyes for a moment. I want you to think to yourself. I want you to see in your mind's eye. Who's a mentor in your life? Who's your peer? And again, be careful with answering that question. I'm not saying who's your friend. I'm saying who's your spiritual peer? Who is pursuing God at the same intensity that you want to pursue God? And then who is your student? Who is closer to God because you're in their life? Who is better at reading their Bible, at praying, at worshiping, at understanding spiritually maturity? Because you are actively helping them. And if you are missing one of those or all of those, in a moment we're going to pray and ask God to bring those people in your life. And then we're also going to pray... That you would become that. See, if all of us become a peer, then we'll all have somebody in this room. If all of us become a mentor, then we'll all have somebody to teach. If all of us become a student, then we'll have somebody to show us. So we're going to pray that God would bring those people in our lives. But first, we're going to pray that God would make us those people in someone else's. Because before you can expect that, you better be that. Before you can expect someone to want to pour into you, you better be ready to pour into somebody else. Before you can expect someone to hold you accountable, you better take the step of accountability in somebody else. Before you can expect somebody to be your student, you better submit to being somebody else's student. So come on, as we stand here, would you begin to pray? If that's your desire, if you want to get closer to God, if you want to see the church grow, if you want to see this ministry take it to where God wants to take it, would you begin to pray? Would you begin to submit and say, God... Help me to be there. Help me to be a mentor. Help me to be a student. Help me to be a peer. Call me out on my laziness. Call me out on my insecurities. Call me out on my uh, just unwillingness. Come on, young people. If you mean it tonight, even, man, I'm talking to everybody in the room. Leaders, students, it doesn't matter. No one in this room is exempt from needing these three and being these three. So if you want to do that, come on, let's begin with us. Some of you need to submit Some of you need to repent. You need to be honest with God. You need to tell him where you're at. Come on, begin to talk to the Lord. Begin to talk to the Lord.